My name's John Redman from First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas, and on today's program of Peace by Believing, we're going to be thinking about a future judgment that all Christians will face. It's not a judgment for sins. I'm so thankful that when Jesus Christ died on that cross, He took our judgment. He took the punishment for our sins. And yet we will still be judged by God for how well we have lived our Christian lives. And this is called the judgment seat of Christ and we will be rewarded if we have served God faithfully and if we've served God well. So I hope today's program will be a real blessing to you. If you'll open your Bibles, please, to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I want to show you one verse to begin with. There's coming a day when you and I will stand face to face, eye to eye, with Jesus Christ. This is called the judgment seat of Christ. This is for Christians. We will not be judged for our sins. Our sins have already been judged when Jesus died on that cross. And so for the Christian, there's no future judgment for sin. But we will be judged based on how we lived our lives. Did we serve God faithfully? Did we take our relationship with Him seriously? And this verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 in verse 10 is a sobering and a serious verse. Notice what it says. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. And so the Bible says there's coming a day when you and I will stand before the Lord and He will judge us based on how we've lived our lives. And if we've served Him faithfully, and if we've tried to minister to others in Jesus' name, if we've taken our relationship with God seriously, on this day, He is going to give us rewards. And these rewards, at least some of the rewards, come in the shape of a crown. We will receive crowns for the things that we have done right. That's why I'm calling the sermon this morning, Will You Have a Crown in heaven. Now, in the New Testament, there are five different types of crowns that are mentioned. And this morning, I want us to look at all five of those crowns, and we won't have as much time as I wish we would to really break this down and really, it would be a five-week series on crowns to do justice to this. But what I want to do today is to give you a big picture on these different crowns in the Bible. And as we go through this this morning, I want you to be asking yourself on the judgment day, When I stand before Christ, the Bible says we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That word appear literally means be revealed. One day you will be revealed for who you really are. And I will be revealed for who I really am. Not for who you think I am or not who I think you are, but for who God knows we are. We're going to be revealed. We're going to be exposed. We're going to be judged. And if we have been found faithful, we will receive crowns. Now, it's interesting, in all five of these passages that we're going to be looking up this morning, all five of these crowns, the Greek word for these crowns is the word stephanos. Stephanos, and it literally means a victor's crown. What would happen back in Bible times, just like today, they had sporting events. They had, they had athletic races. And so athletes would train and they would prepare and they would go out and run their race. And the winner of that race would receive a Stephanos. 
he would receive or she would receive a crown. Now, these crowns were like what we would call a wreath. Many times they were made out of greenery. Sometimes they might have been made out of gold. And the winner of the race would have taken, had that crown placed on his head, that victor's crown, that Stephanos, and everybody who saw that athlete would know he won the race. She won the uh, competition. That is the victor. That is the winner. And so the Bible uses that word Stephanos to describe all five of these crowns that God will be distributing to us at the final judgment. So what we're going to do today, I want to mention these crowns, and I'm going to read the verses out of my Bible, but in an attempt to save some time, these verses will also be on the screen. So let's just get started and see how far we can go today before our time is up at 1.30 this afternoon. Okay, so we'll just see how we can do on that. The first crown that we read about is the imperishable crown. The imperishable crown. That's a crown that doesn't perish. It doesn't fade away. And this is for those who, ex- who excel at the Christian life. Now, I'm going to read in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Now, you're certainly welcome to look all these verses up if you want to, or you can look at them on the screen. But in 1 Corinthians chapter number 9, begin with me in verse number 25. 1 Corinthians 9, 25. And uh, as I start reading, they'll put the verse on the screen. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. And so Paul is comparing athletes to Christians. And he's saying these athletes train. They have a desire to, to excel. They discipline their bodies. They, they, they get up early. They stay up late. They eat healthily. They, they, they push their bodies to the limits. And they're doing this to run this race and to receive this Stephanos, this victor's crown, but their crown is a perishable crown. In other words, the crowns that were made out of greenery would obviously eventually fade. And even if it was a gold crown, we know the Bible says that gold doesn't even last forever. Gold eventually perishes. But Paul says while they are putting their bodies through so much training, we as Christians should do it even more so because one day we hope to receive an imperishable crown, a crown that won't get old, a crown that won't fade, a crown that will last forever. And so he's saying that a Christian should have just as much dedication in his or her life to excel in the Christian life that an athlete has to excel in the race. Now you say, John, what do you mean to excel in the Christian life? I mean to live a life that is so devoted to God that God could look at that life and say, here is a person who takes his or her relationship with me seriously. They're a person of prayer. They're a person of Bible reading. They're a person who shares their faith in Christ. They are a person who tries to live a morally pure life. Certainly none of us are perfect, but God wants us to pursue that. Just like an athlete disciplines his body and trains his body, God says in the Christian life, you have to discipline this body because your body has desires and impulses to do things that are wrong, that are, that are immoral instead of pleasing to God. So you have to bring all those desires under control. And God says, if you do that, you one day 
will have excelled in the Christian life and you will receive an imperishable crown. And so as we go through these crowns today, what I want to do is give a brief explanation like I just did on that one. And then I want to give you an action step, something you can do this week that would put you in a position to receive these crowns. And so for the imperishable crown, here would be the action steps that all of us would be wise to take. Number one, this week, Try your best to excel in three things. Prayer, Bible reading, and moral purity. This week, try to excel in prayer, Bible reading, and in moral purity. And if you do, and if you do it again tomorrow, and if you do it again every day, one day you will receive this imperishable crown. So that's crown number one. Now, crown number two we read about in the book of Thessalonians. In 1 Thessalonians chapter number 2... We read about this second crown, and this crown is called the crown of rejoicing. The crown of rejoicing. And this crown, at the final judgment of Christians, will be given to those who have led others to faith in Jesus Christ. One of our responsibilities as believers is to lead others to faith in Jesus Christ. And if we do that... One day, we're going to get a crown, and it's called the crown of rejoicing. So in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 2 and verse 19, listen to what it says. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? There it is, Stephanos in the Greek, the victor's crown. What is our crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ? At his coming. And so, in this case, the crown of rejoicing seems to be the actual person that you have led to Christ. And so, at the judgment, when Jesus is passing out these crowns and he he, he reviews your life and you are revealed for who you really were, all the people that you've shared Christ with, all the people who have been saved because of your faithful witness, it seems as though at this judgment, instead of giving out here an actual crown to put on your head, that, and it, there may be an accompanying crown with that, but also it says the people who have been saved, they are our crown. So it, it, it may be that at this judgment seat of Christ that when Jesus is judging you, he says, I want to take a moment here. Remember, he'll have, all, he'll have a long time to do this judgment. And it may be that Jesus says, I want to take a moment here and just show you all the people that you've led to Christ. All the people through the years that you have helped get to heaven. And, here's, and, here's, and hopefully there'll be a lot of people that he could do that with all of us. And in, in that sense, the people themselves will be our crown. So, the crown of rejoicing. It is the crown, it is the reward that we will receive if we have taken seriously our responsibility of sharing Christ with other people. The third crown. And that is, this is the crown of glory that will one day be given to faithful ministers. Now, as I understand this crown, and you can be turning to 1 Peter chapter 5, as I understand this crown, I think this is primarily for pastors and ministers who are leading a local church. We may get to heaven and find out that it extends beyond that, but it's called the crown of glory, and this crown one day will be given to faithful ministers. And the reason I say it may extend beyond that is because the fact is we're all ministers. Every Christian is a minister. When you got saved, not only did you become a Christian, 
but you became a minister. Now, you may not think of yourself as a minister, but you are. You're a minister of Jesus Christ, just like I am, just like any other what we would call a pastor or church leader is. In 1 Peter chapter 5, look in verse number 1. The elders who are among you I exhort. I, who am a faithful elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Now, here's the admonition. Here's the action step. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. And so Peter is saying here that at the judgment, those who have been given the responsibility of leading and ministering to others, we will be judged based on lots of things, but two of the primary things will be this. Have we been a good example to the flock? And number two... Have we shepherded the flock? Have we provided? Have we taught the flock the Word of God? Have we given the sheep what they would need to survive out there in life? And so the crown of glory is a very important crown, and this crown will one day be given to all the faithful ministers. You say, now, John, again, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a teacher. I'm not a preacher. How, what, what's the action step here? Well, I think the action step here for all of us, because remember, we are all ministers. The action step here is to be a good example to your flock. If you're a mom or a dad, those children that you have, those grandchildren, that's part of your flock. And so be a good example to them. And then shepherd your flock. Lead your, whoever is under your responsibility. If you're a business owner, all of your employees would be your flock. And so it is your responsibility as a minister to be a good example to them of Jesus Christ and also to shepherd them, to give them whatever it is by way of encouragement, by way of a scripture verse, by way of of sharing Christ, whatever it is that they might need to go out there in life and to live a life for God and to live a victorious life. And that's who the crown of glory will be given to. Now, the fourth crown is called the crown of life. The crown of life. And you might want to look in James chapter number 1. And the crown of life is for those who endure difficulty, pain, and suffering by maintaining their faith in Jesus Christ. So, In life, we all know there's difficulty and there's pain and suffering. Sometimes I see people going through such difficulty, it's almost unthinkable. And sometimes I wonder, if I were going through what they are going through, would I be handling it as well as they are handling it? And sometimes we don't know. But if we can, when we're going through hard times, if we can stay faithful by trusting in God, no matter what the difficulty, sometimes the pain is physical pain. Sometimes the pain is emotional pain. And sometimes the pain, it can be in different ways. But there are people, I guarantee you, here today in this service who are going through difficulty, pain, and heartache. And the Bible says if you will hold up under that by trusting God, one day you're going to receive a special crown. Here it is, James chapter 1 and verse 12. Blessed is the man who endures. Now, the New King James says temptation. The better word there is trial or testing. Blessed is the man who endures trials, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life 
which the Lord has promised to those who love Him. And so the crown of life is another crown that God will give one day to those who have gone through some difficulty, gone through some pain, gone through some heartache, but they have not given up. They have stayed faithful to God. They've kept on keeping on. They've not gotten bitter. They've not gotten angry. They've not turned against God. They've kept a good attitude. They have received whatever has come into their lives as though God allowed it into their lives. So they've got good theology. God is in control. God has allowed this. They've got strong faith. God, I believe you have a purpose for this. God, I'm going to keep trusting you. going to keep... Going to keep moving forward. And God, I'm depending on you to bring something good out of this. And God says there's going to be a crown. Now, don't look this verse up. But in the very last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10, it says, it's it's talking about the same crown. The end of that verse says, be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. You say, John, how long do I have to maintain my faith in God? during this heartache and pain and difficulty. You have to maintain your faith in God until you die. And so do I, until we get to heaven. And if we'll stay faithful till the end, then we will have the crown of life. And then the final crown, this is a special crown. It's called the crown of righteousness. The crown of righteousness. And the crown of righteousness is for those who eagerly await the return of Christ. Did you know if you have in your heart a desire for Jesus to come back, that that is so special to God, that desire means so much to God, that one day He's going to give you a special crown for that. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8, and first of all in verse 7, Paul said, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith, his life's about over. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved His appearing. The crown of righteousness is a crown that a person will receive if he has a deep and abiding love for Jesus Christ, so much so that this person wants Jesus to come back. This person is looking forward to the return of Christ. This person says, like, it's, like the Bible ends, even so, come Lord Jesus, that we would hope that Jesus would come back today, that we, would, we, we love Him so much that if we could see Him today, it would, be, it would make today all the better. And so the crown of righteousness is for those who are looking forward to the return of Christ. And so how do you get that crown? Well, obviously, by loving Jesus, by anticipating His return, and looking forward to that day. You know, that, that, that really makes you think. And it makes you ask yourself this question. How much do you even think about the return of Christ? How much do I even think about the return? I mean, we believe in it. We all believe that Jesus could come back today. The Bible says that in the twinkling of an eye, there's going to be a shout from heaven, the voice of the archangel, the trumpet of God. Jesus is coming back. And friend, Jesus could come back today. Jesus could part that sky today and come back. Before this day's over, we could be in heaven. You believe that? Say amen. We could. We believe that. But how many of you, how many of us live our lives on a daily basis thinking today, This could be the day. The old Puritans, when they would wake up, they would go to their window and they'd look outside and they'd look at that sky and they would say this, maybe today, Lord, maybe today. They'd go out in the fields, they would work, they would do their chores, they would come home at night, have dinner, clean up, go to bed. But before they got in bed, they would go back to that window. They would look back up at that same, this time, the night sky, knowing that Jesus hadn't come during the day. But they would end their day by saying, maybe tonight, Lord. 
maybe tonight. And they'd sleep all night and they'd wake up and say, well, Jesus didn't come during the night. They'd go back to that window and they would say, maybe today, Lord, maybe today. And they lived with that anticipation. They lived with that expectancy. And they lived that Jesus could come today. I wish he would come today. All my problems would be solved. I'd be done with this sinful body. I I would be in heaven. I'd be with Jesus. It would be wonderful. Now, how do we receive the crown of righteousness? Well, first of all, by loving Jesus. You wouldn't want Jesus to come back if you didn't love him. So it begins by loving. But also by anticipating his return. By praying for his return. Again, that prayer. Even so, Come, Lord Jesus. Say that with me. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. That's what the Apostle John said as he closed out the book of the Revelation. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. That's what we want to happen. You know, as I was thinking about this sermon, I know that some hear this today and you think, well, John, that's going to be nice one day. We're going to stand before God and if we've been faithful in these different areas, we're going to receive a crown. But I know just the natural thought processes that we all would have. Some would probably think, well, you know, I hope I get one of those crowns. That'd be great if I did. But I know some, most, maybe not most, but I think there would be a fair number of people that would hear a sermon like this and say, you know what, hey, I hope I get a crown. But the main thing for me is that I be in heaven. In other words, as long as I'm in heaven, I'd rather be in heaven with no crown than anywhere, you know, than in hell. I mean, you know, just to be in heaven is going to be enough. And that's what I was saying at the beginning. Some things don't seem all that important right now. You're like, right now, the only thing that seems all that important is whether we're going to be in heaven at all. But what I'm saying is, once we get to heaven, and once we see all the sights, and once we see Jesus, and once we have stood in line and waited our turn for this judgment seat, and once we have seen others who have gone before us, receive the imperishable crown and the crown of rejoicing and the crown of life and all these other crowns. And we're going to be thinking, man, I I wish I had a crown. You say, well, I don't know. I don't even know then if it's that big a deal. Why why would I want, that almost seems like egotistical, prideful. Why would I want to accumulate all these crowns? I do want to show you one verse in Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4. See, the reason you want a crown is not just so you can strut around heaven with your crown, showing everybody your crown, because that's not even what you'll do if you have a crown. When you get that crown, this is the motivation. This is why you want a crown. Revelation chapter 4 and verse 10, it says, The 24 elders fall down. The 24 elders, by the way, represent Christians. The 24 elders fall down before Him, that is, before God, who sits on the throne And worship Him who lives forever and ever. Now watch this. And cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. And so what's going to happen in heaven is that when we get these crowns, we're going to take these crowns that Jesus has put on our heads... And we're going to take them off of our heads and we're going to put them at His feet as our gift to Jesus Christ. You know, it doesn't happen so much today, but used to. Certainly in the deep south, if somebody invited you to their house for dinner, 
when you got to their house, you gave them a gift. Now, this just doesn't happen very much today. It just doesn't. But they used to give, you would always take a gift. You call it the hostess gift. And maybe it was a candle, maybe it was a picture frame, some, some gift. They had invited you to their house and you accepted the invitation. And to show how grateful you are to have been invited, you gave them a little gift. Well, in a similar way, when we get to heaven and we go through this judgment seat of Christ and we receive these gifts from God, the crowns that He gives to us are going to become our gifts to Him, the host gift. He has invited us to His house. We have received and responded to that invitation. But when we get there, we're going to want to have something to give. Well, we're going to have to stop right there for today. But let me ask you a question. As you think about that future judgment, the judgment seat of Christ, that day when hopefully we will receive one or two or three or four, maybe all five of those crowns for Jesus, and then we can give those back to Him as our expression of love and appreciation. Let me ask you this question. Are you living your life in such a way now that you will receive some crowns then? I think that's a very sobering question and a very fair question. Whatever we do with our lives now, one day will matter when we stand before God. And so I would encourage you, beginning today, say to God, God, I want my life to count for you. I want to live well, I want to serve you well, and I want to be faithful all the way to the end. Thanks for listening today, and I hope you'll have a great week.